Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to welcome you here this morning, and we are so glad for your presence in this assembly. A couple things before we begin. Uh, we have a couple opportunities coming up to invite people um, to things that, that we're doing here at this congregation. And so beginning this Wednesday, we're going to start showing The Chosen. Many of you uh, watch seasons one and two with us. It's a wonderful, wonderful program that um, uh, teaches people about Jesus, the Gospels, and His life. Uh, we're going to start season three this Wednesday. You don't have to see seasons one and seasons two to, to see season three. We all know sort of the life of Jesus. And so, um, you know, if you have neighbors, friends who are interested in learning more about Jesus, then please invite them uh, to join us on Wednesday. And I'd also ask you to pray for the chosen. Dallas Jenkins is the creator. He's the one that's been doing this, been doing a marvelous job. And, and this is not only an opportunity for our congregation, but it's an opportunity for people around the world to come to know Jesus and to encounter him. And so um, be mindful of that. Also, February 4th through 5th, we'll have a seminar entitled Living as a Christian in a Polarized World. And Jeremy Beller who is the chair of Bible at Oklahoma Christian University, will be with us to talk about that. And so if you have friends and neighbors who, who are Christians and just kind of wondering, you know, how do we navigate these waters? How do we live in this world with all this tension, with all these different views and opinions? Uh, invite them to this and join us on February 4th through 5th. And I want to say something personally um, this morning, this, this month, be, beginning um, here in January, um, this is my 13th year here at LaGrange, and so uh, back in January 2010, we began our ministry here, and I don't probably do this often enough, but I just want to thank you um, for allowing me to be your minister, and it's just been a great, great uh, 12 years now going into the 13th year, and I appreciate you know each and every one of you, and what a wonderful place to live and to serve. And so we've been in 1 Corinthians for a few months. We took a little break um, there throughout Christmas and New Year, but we're back in 1 Corinthians. It would have been easy just to go through those first four chapters and say, okay, that's it. But uh, now we're kind of getting to some of the, the juicier stuff. And we've noticed, though, over those first four chapters that, that this is a messy church. And they have their fair share of problems. They are a divided church. They are a church that is obsessed with worldly wisdom. They each have their favorite talking head, someone in the world who they're listening to and they're following. They are a church with multiple moral problems. They're, they're not living as they should and they're not worshiping as they should. They're arguing about spiritual gifts. They're making a mockery of the Lord's Supper. And so all of this is going on. However... They are still the church. And Paul describes them this way in chapter 1 and verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. And so Jesus is bigger than their shortcomings. And Jesus is bigger than their moral failings. And Jesus is bigger than their inadequate attempts at worship. And they are still the church of God in Corinth who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. And so this is a messy church. But what happens when the mess 
begins to spread out into the world. You know, if you think about this, we've seen situations like this in our day and age. You can pick up the the Houston Chronicle or the Boston Globe or the New York Times and read about sexual abuse happening in churches across the United States. Over the last few years, there have been more than one news stories concerning celebrity pastors who have been caught up in moral failings. In 2021, the president of the largest Christian university in the United States was fired because of a sexual scandal involving him, his wife, and a pool boy. And there was even a documentary made about it. We have witnessed the mess spreading out into the world, and it is not pretty. And church messes don't just have to be about moral failings or scandals. Uh, For several years, you may remember the Westboro Baptist Church was all over the news because of their bad theology. And so self-righteousness can be just as much of a sin as infidelity. And so we need to pay attention to the message that we are sending to a lost and dying world. And so what happens you know, when a church's mess begins to overflow out into the world? Well, our text this morning has something to say about this. And so let's hear the word of the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It states, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in the body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus and my spirit is present with the Lord of our Lord with the power of our Lord Jesus you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh and so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Your boasting is not good Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And so Corinth is not a perfect church. They've got lots of problems. But this problem here in chapter 5, it's different. This is a problem that, that even the world recognizes is wrong, and yet the church has embraced it. And so the approach to this problem is different than others that we find in the letter because the church itself is being threatened. And, and if this continues, there may be no church at all in the future. You know, as I read this chapter, what stands out to me are, are several things that, that really matter. And these are things that that Christians need to get right. You know, we're not going to get everything right. But we need to get these things right. And this is evident in uh, the the change of tone that we find in this chapter. It's evident in these unique instructions regarding discipline that are found in this chapter. And so there are some things 
that really matter. And if we're going to practice Christianity, whether it be in the first century or whether it be in the 21st century, we better get these things right. And so what are they? Well, the first is this. Our witness matters. People are paying attention. People are watching us. They're listening to what we say. They're reading what we post online. They're looking to see if our actions match the faith that we profess. And so what's going on in Corinth is that these outsiders are looking in and they recognize something is wrong. Something is amiss. Verse 1 states, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And so pagans, obviously, were people who did not have God in their life. They did not adhere to a moral standard like the ones that are found in Judaism and Christianity. There were prostitutes at their temples. They indulged their desires. They did not condemn sexual immorality. And yet, there were even some things that the pagans recognized as being wrong. This is just too far even for a pagan. And what's going on at this church in Corinth um, is compromising their witness. The Christians here, they look like a bunch of hypocrites because they, they profess to believe in the teachings of Jesus and they are embracing lifestyles that are contrary to his teaching. And one of the most detrimental things to the life of a church is hypocrisy. When a church does not live what they profess, they are in danger of dying. Jesus condemned hypocrisy throughout his entire ministry. He's so concerned with it that in Matthew chapter 23, he delivers an entire message, an entire sermon on hypocrisy. The chapter begins this way. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe what they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but do not practice. And then later in the message, he says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. And he continually calls them this throughout the message, you hypocrites. For you tithe mint and deal and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. Young people are especially adept at identifying hypocrisy. And so if a church is being hypocritical, they're very likely going to lose the next generation of Christians. And so hanging on to a hypocritical belief or a hypocritical position is not worth losing our children or our grandchildren. Now the answer to hypocrisy is not perfection. That's that's not the expectation that we find here in 1 Corinthians 5. What is going on here is a blatant disregard for the teachings of God. They know it is wrong, and they just don't care. There's no remorse. There's no acknowledgement of guilt. Sin is being celebrated, 
And the pagans are, are looking and they're taking notice of all of this. And so our witness matters. And we need to pay attention to what we say and what we do and what we support because people are watching. Outsiders are watching. Now, does this mean that we will never receive any criticism? Absolutely not. Does this mean that that we must live perfect lives? Absolutely not. Does this mean that that we should do everything we can to just keep up appearances in front of others and then, uh, you know, when no one's looking, we can just act however we want to or act in a different way? Absolutely not. That's hypocrisy also. What we're to do is we're to live lives of genuine faith. We're to admit that, that our lives can be a little messy. But we're doing our best to follow God. We're to be sincere in all that we do. And remember that we have been called to be a light in this world. Our mission is to be a light so that others will be persuaded to leave the darkness and to be followers of Jesus. And so we should read 1 Corinthians 5 and understand that our witness matters. And we should also read it and understand that humility matters. Paul is not just upset with this man who is sleeping with his stepmother. He's upset with the congregation for accepting this behavior and approving of this relationship. And so in verse 2 of chapter 5, he addresses the church. He says, and you, he's speaking to you all, the church, are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Again, who is this? The church. The word for arrogant here is literally puffed up. And what Paul's doing here is he's making a play on words. Because the Corinthians have claimed that they are full of the Spirit. And they believe that they are spiritual people. And Paul makes reference to this several times leading up to chapter 5. And the word spirit can also mean breath or air. And so Paul is saying to them, you're not full of the Spirit, you're full of air. And what has happened is that the congregation is so full of themselves that they cannot even distinguish right from wrong when it's right in their midst. When we lack a spirit of humility, we are in danger of being unable to identify sin in our lives. We can think and we can believe that we're doing right when we're actually doing wrong. And it's impossible to be self-aware when we are puffed up. And so humility matters because we want to see ourselves for who we truly are. We don't want to go through this world blind to our own shortcomings, our own failures. We don't want to be the person who can see the speck in our neighbor's eye, but we can't see the log in our own eye. Romans twelve sixteen states, Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And so one of the best ways to, to keep ourselves from sin is to have a humble spirit and to associate with those um, who also have a humble spirit.
because humility matters. It really does. And so witness matters, humility matters, and thirdly, holiness matters. In verse 6, Paul states, Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? This chapter, this whole chapter, is about an an unholy life that is negatively influencing the entire church. And so the point of Christianity is that we are to grow in maturity and grow in holiness and grow to be like Jesus. We are all going to be different places in this journey, but we should all agree that we are on this journey. We should all have the same goal. We should all uh, be on the same path. And if someone in the church says, you know what, the goal doesn't matter, or says we should be on a different path, then they're not helping us. They don't have the mind of Christ. And they're keeping us from encouraging and helping one another. They're keeping us from reaching our goal. And this is what's happening in Corinth. A man was sleeping with a stepmother, and he just does not care. He's not trying to grow in holiness. He's not trying to become more like Jesus. He's just doing whatever he wants to do, and this is not good for the congregation. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 8 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit, will, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Think about this statement here in Galatians. God will not be mocked. We cannot be flippant when it comes to God. We cannot disregard the commands of Scripture and still be a follower of God. Holiness matters. And again, this does not mean that we're always going to live perfect lives, but it does mean that we should always be striving for holiness because that's the goal. And we're here to help one another achieve it. And so witness matters, humility matters, holiness matters, and finally, church matters. 1 Corinthians 5, 4 and 5 states, when you are assembled, talking about the assembling of the church, when you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Because this man has no intention of repenting and trying to live like Jesus. He's to be removed from the congregation. They're going in opposite directions. And the purpose of this is so that he might recognize that the path he is on is not a good path and that he might change directions. This is not mean, it's not ill-willed, The purpose of this is to try and save this person who is lost. We need to also recognize that what is prescribed here in 1 Corinthians 5 is not the norm. And so the norm for dealing with sin is described here in Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a 
spirit of gentleness. This is how sin should be handled. But what's going on in 1 Corinthians 5 is outright rebellion. God is being mocked. And so Paul says, deliver this man to Satan. And this is his way of saying, turn him over to the world. Put him out of the church. The church belongs to Jesus, but the world belongs to Satan. The church is the community of God, but the world is the community of Satan. The church is the bride of Christ, and when Jesus returns, he's coming back for his bride. What we see here is that there's no salvation outside of the church. We live in an individualistic culture. We want to do things on our own. We want to be left alone. And some people want to be a Christian, but they don't want to be a part of a church. Well, there's no example in the New Testament of someone being a Christian without being a part of a church. Every letter in the New Testament is written either to a church or someone who is a leader in a church. Being a member of a church is not always easy because churches can be messy. We're learning that as we read this letter. We all come together with our messy lives. We're flawed. We want to be like Jesus, but you know, we're not there yet. We all come together with our opinions about you know, how things ought to be. We all come together with our moods and tempers and personalities. And so, yes, church can be messy. But it can also be a great blessing. And we are here to encourage and support one another. And we are here to lift one another up. And we are here to serve together and make a difference in this community. And we are here to be a light in the darkness. And we're here to love one another and to be a family. And so church can be messy, but the beauty of church always outweighs the messiness. And we've seen this beauty. We've seen it when Edward gets up and prays for us on Wednesday evenings. We've seen it when Ronell leads singing for us. We've seen it when the ladies' Bible class and others go out to sing Christmas carols. We've seen it as we come together to serve at Amen. We see it in the smiles and the hugs that we exchange before and after worship. We see it in the meals that we share together. We see it every Sunday as we gather around this table in the presence of the Lord. And so, yes, church can be a little messy, but that is not what matters. What matters is the moments of beauty that change our lives forever. And thankfully, here at LaGrange Church of Christ, we have lots of these moments. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. And we acknowledge that not 
every text in Scripture is easy, easy to understand or even easy to hear. But we're thankful for hard texts that challenge us and poke us and get us to change so that we might become more like you. <coughs> Father, we are grateful for the beauty and the blessing of church. Amen. We're grateful that it has changed lives here in LaGrange, Texas. We're grateful for this body of believers who continues to be a light in this community. And we're grateful for how your spirit lives and works among us. We are aware that we are called to be like your son. And this is what we all strive to do. And we pray that we may live up to our calling. We're grateful for who he is and what he's done for us. We're grateful for his grace and his mercy. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Amen. If you will, please stand and receive this blessing from the book of Numbers. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.